Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Yeah, so anyway, it was really itchy. <laughs> Did you get an ointment for it? Well, yeah, the begrudgingly, you know, they didn't really want me to use heroid cream on that. But, oh, oh, I think the red button has, uh, has uh, oh. enabled. Oh. oh, dear. Hello, and you're listening to Let's Throw It Out. Tonight, we are joined by our Lord and Saviour, Andrew Slash Frank. Good evening. Uh, sporting a menace hat. I miss you, Greg. I doubt you'll see this. Someone wants to message menace and be like, oh, I believe they just said, what about you on LDO? <laughs> then uh, feel free, because uh, that worked last time. Uh, <laughs> grassing us up. Uh, the man with the moustache, Stephen. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm my long-range, long-distance friend, Carl. Howdy. No, I'm bright until I fly. Hello. Or oh, Jake. Um, I've dropped a load of stuff, so feel free to Jake talk from like State Farm. <laughs> well, uh, while, while Jack's doing some literal housekeeping, how about some <laughs> metaphorical Sorry. housekeeping? Uh, anyone listening in podcast land uh, after the live show, uh, if you're listening on an Android, there's a fair chance you're using Google Podcasts, which is not going to exist after April 2024, and you're going to be shifted across to YouTube Music. Uh, so that's something to be aware of. Luckily, I noticed that, and <laughs> YouTube Music have thought about this and set up like a little uh, podcast section which is on, I think, pretty much every YouTube channel now. So uh, this afternoon, I spent my lunchtime plugging in our podcast feed back into YouTube. What a hero. So the nicely polished, audio-only, edited audio podcast is now re-uploaded as a video, weirdly, because that's how YouTube likes to do it. Don't really understand this. I just gave me an RSS feed, and they it made means we've got it. captions. You got captions, transcripts. Yeah, you could go really nuts with it. Uh, well, well done for spotting that. You're a hero. Thank you. It also explains why if you go to the Let's Drone Out YouTube channel and go to the videos tab, it has been spammed with 435 <laughs> uh, audio episodes with just the same icon on the uh, for every frame of the video so that explains that but it also means all the episodes now appear in the podcasts 
tab on our YouTube channel, so you can go back through there. So even before we were on YouTube, when it was just like an audio recording podcast that went like just audio only, like before Google Hangouts, before any of that, all of those episodes are now available on YouTube and YouTube Music and uh, whatever. But I would recommend not using necessarily YouTube Music because YouTube were a bit weird and trying to kind of make their own little walled garden of podcasts. Yeah. If you like podcasts, I would recommend getting an actual podcatcher that has like an OPML, uses RSS feeds, downloads audio episodes. That would be my recommendation. I, was, so, I would suggest Pocket Casts because it's been around for years. Uh, yeah. Unlike Google, who decide to change their mind and kill products every couple of years. I think I had Pocket Casts on my original Samsung Galaxy S. So it's it's been around <laughs> for a long time and it's uh, still basically the same and works just as well. Yeah. But if you're on Google Podcasts, you probably don't care enough. So you'll probably end up on YouTube Music and it'll still work and be fine. So there you go. The, the weird thing is that um, if I look under Podcasts on Let's Drone Out, I see there's like, 434 episodes but when i click play it just plays the last one and it, it's almost like they expect us to have multiple podcasts on the one channel so it shows just a single show and then it's like a playlist of 434 episodes in the single show it's very odd yeah it's <laughs> i i think they're still working on their ui i'm pretty sure it even changed between lunchtime today and now so probably oh, wow. by the time anyone actually looks at it who's listening on a podcast, it'll have changed again. So we could go back to episode one, could we? Yep. You can oh, go back to the pilot. The pilot <laughs> episode. Fantastic. Oh, one of them's got a different icon. The Christmas special think... has a different icon somehow. I don't know yeah. how they're all this oh no, Heatwave Special Edition has a different icon as well. Yeah, Something there's... strange. I can't remember. One of them's got a poobin we... on it. Did the funny RSS? Yeah. There's there's some magic somewhere. I've forgotten how to do it, so we don't do I, it anymore. I used to do it when I put in effort. A girls' night is <laughs> is it pink? Because we don't in any way pigeonhole anyone. Oh dear. <laughs> well, I've done that in retaliation to Tony. What what did Tony yeah. do? Other than well, he just kind of Tony. I don't know. I think he sort of <laughs> thought he was running some sort of horse racing event or something or, you know <laughs> make, ladies make sure you have your fascinator on and stuff like that and i was just like <laughs> i wanted to just burn everything around well i'm gonna go back yes, and listen yes. to the pilot show definitely yeah you know what <laughs> on my uh on my long drives to uh to toronto in the middle of the nights on the weekends uh i i find myself actually like yeah literally going back to the very very beginning and listening to the first ones and uh Wow, it's uh, it's it's interesting and and it's so different. It's so um, the, the audio quality is considerably different. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it was back in a time when it was literally recorded in a room with like actual microphones and the mixing desk, right? So yep. I imagine yep. it was analog. A yeah. Bit <laughs> Yeah, it Does was. That make it uh, or worse? Well, I feel like it's it's weird because some episodes are 
I don't know. I, I, I mean, I listened to like, a, I would say maybe like a couple handfuls of the early days ones. And sometimes it's, it almost sounds like you guys are in, like you, you guys did a lot of on location stuff. Did you not? Like you guys would actually all get together and do it in one place. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's really cool. Like similar to what we did on the, I guess, seventh year anniversary mm. uh, show when I was in the UK, which was pretty cool. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. For the man, for the 10 year one, we definitely are going to have to do uh a little get together of sorts. Got to do something. Got to yeah. do something big. Yeah. Has anyone been doing drone stuff this week? What? I've been, I've been disassembling my drones and getting them ready to be packed up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. How are you feeling about all that, Carl? Uh, in in what sense? Like, do you feel confident in it? Because you've you've only done some mild testing, like. Yeah, I mean, or I'm just like. Or do you think because you haven't grown attached to the drone yet, you, it's going to be easier to say well. goodbye? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, here's the thing. <clears throat> I I trust Crossfire. I trust Kiss Ultra V2. I trust analog That's video. A lot of trust there. Um, and. You know, I'm I'm gonna. It's gonna be a rubber band that I'm. I'm not gonna stretch it all the way. You know, out first. It's gonna. There's still gonna be some uh, some sort of um, you know testing phases. Even like before, I really try just to gonna do ease into it and really get yeah. yourself comfortable before yeah. you challenge yeah. yourself and go all the way. But I think the most annoying thing so far is. Um, just having to take off the 3D prints and then like taking off the SMAs that are attached to the 3D prints and then like yeah. having to redo that again. And I don't know, I, I still haven't heat shrunk my my receiver in yet because I'm I actually got a couple new 3D prints uh, that I'm, I'm trying to decide how I'm going to do it. Um, whether or not I just have two SMAs that I can just easily take the antennas off and then leave the 3D prints on and then the SMAs are um or the pigtail to SMA or whatever still attached, but I don't know. I'm I'll I'll figure it out. And and once I'm once I'm where I'm going, you know, it's like I'm still gonna do testing. I'm still gonna you know do a few things. I actually ordered myself some batteries uh, <laughs> out there. I already I ordered some to where I'll be staying because uh, I don't want to like I don't want to travel with all my like old and tired batteries. So <laughs> I'm like hundred watt hours count. Well, exactly. It's like I, I'm gonna bring like three or four good, like my good freestyle packs, and then I ordered like three more, and then I have two long range packs, so should be good. That's all I really need. I'm not, I'm not gonna be like taking whole days out to fly, right? So, it's uh, I, yeah, I feel there's, like there's me, understanding wives, and then there's very understanding wives. <laughs> You maybe yeah. maybe get an hour here or there to to go and yep. do silly hobby stuff, but yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I don't know. For me, like, I don't know about you guys. I I know Jack and I know um, Jack and Frank. I'm pretty sure you, you when you guys go out and fly, you guys kind of you know you make a bit of a day out of it, right? Mm. Yeah. Because for me, like, I've only ever had you know maximum maybe seven batteries, and I I typically fly on my own, so it's always like. Get out, fly. I'm done in an hour or two, and then that's kind of it. Uh, the so, first thing you want to do is pack a laptop, 
and you want to prep all your firmware <laughs> versions and make sure that everything needs an upgrade, but you don't actually do the upgrade before leaving home. You get the yeah. laptop, you get like a, a, a 4G little dongle, and you just go for it. You go to that field, you wait till it's four or five no, degrees no, below it, it, freezing, get the laptop out, start upgrading firmware. That's, that's no, how no, you no. Just, to, just as you're about to leave, disassemble the laptop and then start you know, upgrading that. That's Wait, are we do. talking about are we talking about things that Jack does before when he gets to the field? <laughs> yeah. Yes. If anyone has gone flying with Jack, they'll recognize this experience. Yeah, I was like, this sounds oddly familiar. That kind yeah. of that nagging kind of wonder it is he playing a practical joke? Is he is he actually gonna fly a pack before we leave the field? Or is this is this just a really long wind up with a punchline that's gonna hit me at some point? No. That's how it works. Sorry. Uh, there is, there's definitely been a day where me and Tony have been like saving our packs, waiting for Jack to turn up so that we could all fly together. Yep. And as soon as Jack turns up, he hands something over, like we have a little chat, and he's like, oh, but I've got to go get hand something over to someone. I've got to leave now. <laughs> Just immediately leaves. And then we get really? to fly. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, see, that, that, this is why I just fly on my own. It's like, or, or maybe, you know, the odd time. It's like, I don't have to worry about anybody. I just have to put my antennas on my goggles, plug my batteries in, kind of chill out, be in the zone, and then be yeah, done with it. Get in but, the flow state and off you go. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I will admit, when I was in the UK and I did get to fly with you guys, I, I did quite enjoy that um, that sort of group setting where you're with your buddies, you get to fly together, you know, there's, there's no real timeline. You're just kind of, you know, you're just chilling out. You're just having fun being kids again. Yeah. I guess nice to hang out with people now and then, but I think I, if I'm getting practice, I'm just going to go yeah. out on my own or like, you know, take the missus. She can walk the dog or, or sit. She, she's taken to doing whittling. So we go to the woods and she like whittles bits of wood cool. with an incredibly <laughs> sharp knife. That's and cool. that scares off anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> one life, like pack after pack, and that that seems to work pretty and well. Just dog walker, like spotter, drone, and sort of stomping yeah, yeah. over towards you, and just there's <laughs> there she is with a knife, just <laughs> oh, just turn around, and go back. Yeah, carving yeah. some little mermaid or a little bunny rabbit or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah every... I've made the mistake of taking like the same amount of packs I, I typically take out to fly by myself with a group. I arrive with like. 16 packs and i'm like right let's fly 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 and at the end of the day i look and i'm like wow i flew like four or five packs and that's it uh. <laughs> see what i like yeah. to do is have a really big field pack and then charge the appropriate batteries as i'm flying mm. them like have a couple mm. yeah a few of each battery as i'm flying one the next one's on charge and i can just yep. go with what what i need the problem is that's i use the heavy. field pack for other things and then I have a little project going and have it plugged in on the, on the bench and then forget about mm. the field pack. And then the field pack gets discharged and then he's unhappy and then uh, I have to make a new field pack. That's where I oh, am. Oh, shoot. Uh, just uh, too low, it gets too low. And then. Do you use just regular lithium polymer for field packs or do you go for weird, exotic, super cheap stuff that. Uh, I went for very, very, very cheap uh, lye-ion cells in oh. that they were free because they were being thrown out. That's sort of cheap. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. If it works, it works. You can discharge those lower and they're not as sad, I guess. Yeah. Well, this, I literally left it plugged into like a, a, a Beck and just left it, forgot about it, went and did something else and came back to it like a couple of days later. And it was like, <laughs> oh, oops. Uh oh. Oops. <laughs> it seems Oopsie that not daisies. a week goes by with, without someone in my YouTube feed trying to punt some sort of overpriced lithium-ion carrier with a digital readout Ooh. and a mains outlet on it. So I've wondered, oh, maybe that's a good thing to get. They all look very expensive and very heavy, but it would kind of solve mm. the whoopsie, I discharged it and killed it problem by having a good BMS in it. Yeah, there would be that. There would be that benefit. And there's, there's, you can get a load of like um, DIY BMSs mm. like that are fairly well recognized. There was even a marine cell I saw that had like a Bluetooth BMS in it. And so you could like oh, Bluetooth yeah. your phone and it would just give you a readout of what the pack was doing without any other stuff. Well, I have considered cool. it. But my last one did last me uh, something like five years. So I figure that's okay. I'll be all right without it. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You passed the main phase of grief then. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it did its, its, its job for long enough. We got more value out of it. What's everyone's take on the new iFlight drone, by the way? Have you seen this guy? Ooh, With no. that XL10 or the Helion or the... Well, there's been the XL10 and then there was this, like, two raw collaboration thing. Let me see if I can get a picture of it. Yeah, is it the... I think it's the Helion 10-inch, is it not? Oh, no, no, that's that's the old new one. The new one has oh. just come out. Afterburner, yeah, that's the one. And they've put out, like, a little promo piece as well. Um, huh. which look super swanky. Obviously, people who just happen to be flying through the most spectacular scenery in the world because that's how they always advertise this. Here we are, introducing Afterburner. I'm sure we can play this because it's it's advertising oh, yeah. anyway, so it's uh, unlikely to get us into trouble. <laughs> but uh, I'll just, I'll just from share the, this. Uh, from the other week when we played the DJI uh, ad, uh, we got loads of messages from YouTube being like, loads of people are using your content. Do you want to issue them copyright strikes? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, wow, those are some weird looking arms. Yeah, yeah, look at this business. Ah, typical. What the heck? Yeah, there That's we are. really That's weird looking. That's a good one. Yeah, so they've taken the kind of, what's the stuff I used to build where I, I'd have like an a single Playtex frame, not with the vertical arms, but just like a, a giant toothpick type of thing with a digital camera. Yeah, literally. Which is really light. Oh. Should we let no. Fossil know that there's uh... I'd end up with stuff <laughs> like that. So that's that's the type of stuff I use to fly, but just with a, a one-piece base plate. And obviously they've gone for something way more sophisticated with these vertical arms that are probably much better at doing vibration isolation. And they've put the stack, I think the stack is in the top part under the plastic bit. And the air unit being the so expensive weird. part gets sandwiched between the carbon plates. Yeah. That's a really, weird. really strange form factor. And then like the the wire route, the motor wire routing on the sides and yeah, I don't know. It kind of looks yeah. like a weird turtle kind of shaped thing. I don't know. It is funky. Apparently it's like, kind of 20% smaller footprint than a typical five inch, because obviously you can have the arms way closer together if you kind of have a, a really tiny little canopy like this. So it, it's much shorter, 
but you're forced to use an action cam. Even though they sell it with an O3, the O3 is effectively rendered useless because yeah, uh, look, props. It's, yeah, it's right in the middle of the prop line. And maybe you could get the props out of view, but you need like a 60 degree tilt and no one's flying cinematic with 60 degree tilt. But it's, it's kind of a yeah. cute it's it's interesting. I I I am a fan of the black on black, uh, which isn't really important at all. But um, <laughs> um, but at the same time, like working on it, it's like you have to like take off the shell. I guess it's like taking off a top plate. But it's uh, it does seem interesting. I mean, it's I don't know. They're trying something out. Obviously, it could be much more accessible because you've only got a couple of screws holding down that plastic shell. What what it yeah. says to me is like I flight has got a lot of R&D budget compared to the typical quad manufacturers because yeah, no one else is going out of their way and doing these molded plastic parts. It, it's quite yeah. costly to do plastic molds, I think. I'd be interested to know how they're making it because it might be that it's maybe vac-formed rather than injection-molded, in which case it's not going to be like that expensive to, to do at a no. reasonable scale. But uh, alternatively, it could be like SLS or something if they've got a really cheap... Um, industrial 3D printing uh, service available. You know, maybe they're finding a way to do it that way. It'd be interesting to know how they're making it. But yeah, so it's what is it? You've got. You've you know what's got, weird? Uh, you, you would have thought they they maybe would put like a fresh Hero 11 Mini on instead of like a scratched up one for their promo content. I'm showing how durable it is. It's more durable <laughs> than the GoPro. You can crash yeah. it loads of times. True. Um, true. So it's got. So the arms are made out of. A couple of vertical plates at a bit of a funny angle, right? And that's that's been done, uh, like Jack was saying, on the fossil stuff Revos. Um, but th like this is a slightly different way of doing it. But I mean, usually it's been done for like racing to minimize yeah. drag. Yeah, this is definitely a build. This is specifically not yeah. for racing. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting to kind of use that same idea, but for a cine. Yeah, lifter, city whoop. It's kind of in between, isn't it? Because it's a five inch. It's not quite a city yeah. whoop, not quite a city lifter. I think it was so, coming up to five hundred grams, like just without the action camera as well. I, I think Mads did a review of it, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that's heavy." Like uh, I thought it was going to be a real lightweight, sort of lean, efficient machine, but it's not as light as I was expecting it to be. Yeah, looking at that, just that frame in that video there, to me, that looks like SLS or. MJF that has been dyed. Uh, mm. It's giving me that sort of vibe. I mean, this uh, might be a prototype, so this could just be... Exactly, yeah. 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 It also, like, it has a racing, it almost has a racing mm. type of look to it, right? Like like Stephen was saying with uh, almost like the toothpick style, or I mean, I don't know the right term for those types of drones, but where everything's just kind of like, you know, the stack goes so high up and it's just in the all in the middle um yeah. is, is there a proper name for that style of drone or oh i don't know we used to call them yeah. kind of toothpicks um, yeah the style of it's like a central like a center tower stack type kind of thing i don't know yeah but it's yeah it's, it's interesting because yeah it's also it's not ducted so for a, a cine type Quad is is it is a very racy city type quad. I wonder what they're totally. kind of aiming it for. Uh, maybe it's more. I always think it's like kind of funny the, when like people are putting the term "cine" on like a quad because 
any quad, any drone, anything could be used in a quote unquote cinematic way. So like, I mean, a cine lifter, okay, that makes sense. It's going to carry like a cinema camera or something like that. But like, you, you could fly a five inch cinematically. You could fly a little drone cinematically. Like mm. it's, it's, it's more so how you're flying it opposed to like the build, I would say, or like the the style of the quad, I guess. I don't know. I guess the name should give it away, right? It's afterburner, so it's meant for going fast. That's yeah. what they're aiming this for. Um, well, that's the language they used, but then if you look at the, the shots, all they're hmm. doing is cinema flying. They're, it's kind of yeah. just typical freestyle flying, well, light freestyle, but you're doing a few dives, but you're not really pushing the aerodynamics of the frame. You just want smoothness, I guess. Yeah. Ooh. Which I guess, like, if everything's kind of like in the middle, then the center of gravity would be kind of nice on this style of quad, I'm guessing. Um, so I don't know if if that means anything. Yeah, but... it should be really well balanced if you're going to put a heavy action camera on it. So yeah. the, and then, the only yeah. one I saw before was Chris Rosser, who had this on his Ultralight 7, which is pretty much the same style of arm design. Oh, Ooh. wow. Totally. Yeah. It looks like identical. Coincidence that I fly cut some of Chris Ross's frames, who knows? <laughs> and yeah. I mean, just sort of looking at the, the pattern in the arms as well, the cutaways, like you you can see it's definitely the same shapes, but you can also see like from what he's got there on the AOS UL seven. Like the way that's lining up with yeah. the actual um, uh, the weave of the carbon, and the carbon is following the the lines of of what he's cut versus the afterburner, where it's kind of it's halfway through a weave, and I don't know. I I yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't looked at that very carefully. I've looked at it for thirty seconds, but. Yeah. My gut it's something feel new is... anyway. After a, a, a long period of nothing much happening in the hobby, it's interesting to see people mix it up a bit. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say I, like, personally, from you know, this is opinion-based, but I think it is, uh, I don't know. I, I like the traditional style or, or, like, frame design. I don't know. I, I've, there's something about the, like, sort of off-kilter or sort of, like, off-the-beaten-path style of stuff that... Maybe they're maybe they're great, and and I'm sure they are. I mean, it seems like if if you can build a quad and you can have it tuned well and you can get it flying, it doesn't really matter what the shape yeah. or the form factor is. But I don't know it. It does look different, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think they had a very specific use case for this. It's not clear immediately what it was, but yeah, I, I'd say the same, Cole. You know, you've got a good flight controller you can make an Apex fly just fine. And then you're putting maybe a GoPro Hero 11 or something even better on it. You're not going to have yep. problems with a little wobble here and there. No. No. Especially if you're flying Kiss Ultra V2. <laughs> even if you're flying Kiss Ultra. Yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you're flying Kiss Ultra. <laughs> even. If... <laughs> Ah, yeah, we could carry yeah. on like that. So uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I'm watching cat videos. I volunteered to do a lightning talk on quadcopters at work this week. 
Yeah. I, I don't know why. I think so, that someone got wind of the fact that I have a hobby and then <laughs> saw that they were doing a kind of everyone have a share session and they're like, oh, quick, get this guy to talk about his hobby to fill some time. So Professional I, I went to Sounds excellent. Yeah, wonderful. But um, they're all <laughs> software developers, so that all kind of, and hardware engineers, actually. We've got a fair few people who are kind of, they, they make PC hardware, so um, they're pretty interested in it. And a lot of guys were remembering their prior adventures when they came close to, to this hobby in one way or another. And one guy worked with a Beagle Bone Black and a Mini Wii, which appeared to be, I couldn't find Mini Wii for the longest time until I found an RC Groups thread from 2011. And it looks like an Arduino-based multi-Wii controller that was out in 2011 with a 16 megahertz Arduino, separate gyro and accelerometer chips, and uh, yeah. Right and, up my street. You got a link for that? Mini-Wii. Oh, I'm sure I can find it, yeah. Was that Mini-Wii? Mini-Wii. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, back in the day, we used to take... Um, Nintendo Wii nunchucks apart yeah. and steal the gyro out of them and it was like the cheapest cheapest way I'll, I'll show you what it is so it, it yep, multi gives you the hardware yeah. details here multi-wee <laughs> mini-wee a small cheap six degree of freedom flight control six degrees of all the degrees of freedom running at a colossal 16 megahertz up upgraded from the basic eight megahertz Arduino. I mean this guy's <laughs> screaming along 16. It's got Drone a, a droid in the chat and an electrometer, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Huh. And, it's and, funny. and it, they even included LDOs on it. Phew. Spoiling. Let's drone out. They got let's drone outs on there. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Um, and and that's okay. It's friendly. They've included the FTDI pin out, but you're going to have to solder all the other pins off the chip yourself. Um, because <laughs> I think at this point, yeah, you know, it, unless you know what you're doing, GTFO was basically uh, what they're saying. Um, yeah. There you are. That's what we're talking about. No, yeah, makes some of Jack's hardware look a bit flashy, doesn't it? <laughs> You're taking the easy out, easy route out, Jack. Yeah, well, you know, he just doesn't try. He's not really, he's not really yeah. one of the OGs. <laughs> oh, Koi Cat. <laughs> Drone Droid said, uh, "Mini Wii, isn't that what happens when you thought you had to go but didn't?" Prostate. <laughs> I've got yeah. a multi Wii flight controller. Don't make me get it out, Stephen. Whip it out, Jack. Whip Jake. <laughs> you haven't you haven't really built a quad until you've like soldered the individual transistors together, right? The, the, the guy at work had connected this thing to like a Linux SBC, and he he like got something that was uh, similar to a Raspberry Pi, and he was connecting that to this flight controller. So hmm. not a clue what what that looked like, but it must have been like a plate of flying spaghetti. I'd have thought with all that wiring. <laughs> well, according to uh, according to Alexander uh, Fedorov, it had integer math for PID controller, which is groovy. Which I have no idea what any of that means, but a, a plus. It's one step above a one step above an ab abacus for a PID controller, I believe. Yeah, um, that's what we're talking. No floating integer. No floating points. No. Yeah. So the move from 
8-bit to 32-bit brought a whole load of things like from basic integer math to floating point math. And it's still a little bit expensive on some of the new chips, but they can do it. It gives you way more precision. 8-bit oh. stuff is, well, if you can imagine the only values you have are 0 to 255, yeah, you uh, you don't have a ton of precision. No. Huh, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Anyway, that's uh, so yeah, stumbled across some bits of history, which is always fun. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears. All thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Andy RC wanted us to make some corrections after the episode where we were talking about Nitro without knowing what we're talking about. So Andy just It got is in methanol. Touch. So we were roughly in the right ballpark, <laughs> right? That it is it is methanol, which is a, a banned substance, but apparently not if you mix it with other dangerous fuel stuffs, in which case it's completely fine. Uh, yeah. Nitromethanol plus castor oil and synthetic oil, I believe. But so it used to be castor oil, mm. but now it's yeah, now it's got synthetic oil in there as well. Except the synthetic oil spoils, so they still have to use castor oil. Because, <laughs> yeah. There's reasons. Wow. And apparently yeah. the risk of the throttle being locked on maximum never happens at all, according to Andy, except when it does, because Frank's seen it happen. So, uh, yeah. So it doesn't no, happen it, at it, all it, it, until it, was it happens. Futaba. It was the talk of Futaba. If you've got Futaba written on it, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've got to find the guy with the jetty transmitter, because you know he's the best pilot in the field. So it works, right? <laughs> Uh, warm memories, yes. Not not any of my memories, but memories of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> Some borrowed nostalgia. It's funny because when uh, when you go down the you know the the history memory lane or whatever, it's I hear all these things that I have no clue what they're about. But like I want to know what what you guys are talking about, but I just I just Do don't. You? I wish I did, but yeah. I think that, so I looked at this hobby a long time ago and I looked at all this stuff and to me it just had, it's not ready yet, written over it during this phase. <laughs> maybe if you're a hardware developer, it was great, but if you weren't a hardware developer, yeah, just just uh, put your feet up, wait a little while until it's, until it's cooked. Yeah, Not, not yeah. ready yet, like the f***ing dinosaurs we are. Yeah. Oh no, right. Do, 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 do. Oh, I bringing Tony's <laughs> memories back. Yeah, I know. Well, then you end up with like muscle memory, like Jack of oh yeah. And the first thing you do is like put your foot on the quad before arming it because you think <laughs> it might just fly to the moon. It might get stuck yep. to the ceiling, and you'll have to explain that to your landlord why there's bits of plaster and paint missing. I <laughs> I had. Uh, I had a, a fun experience, Kiss V1, uh, the work experience kid, um, wired the motor output um, completely wrong and probably put it as beta flight instead of, you know, one, two, three, four. Uh, and he left his quad and 
the boss is like test it so i plugged it in powered it up armed it and then as soon as i armed it it just flew back past my head towards what? a glass window and somehow didn't smash the window and fly out <laughs> wow. the car park it was just like so if nice. you uh yeah, if you're wondering what the camouflage net was about, and that's mm. what that was about. To so catch stuff like that. One of the first things I learned was when I set up every every single quad I set up, I always look at what the radio values are and make sure they're the right order, they're where I expect them to be. Just kind of like what does the firmware think that the radio is sending me? <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely uh, seen Jack do the uh, the foot the foot trick a few times. And I, the first times, <clears throat> the first times I saw it, I was like, "Jack, why are you stepping on this quad?" I'm like, "Like, I just I was very confused as to why he was seemingly <laughs> standing on it." And I'm like, "Is this is this right?" But it Standard all made sense to me, my end. friend. Yeah, that's how we did stuff back in the dinosaur days. <laughs> Or would it be Iron Age by that point, Stephen? The dinosaur days, like <laughs> where you're actually burning dinosaurs in order to get to the, in the sky. Think, uh, the dinosaur age of being largely eaten by dinosaurs, I think, would characterize that. That's no way to talk about the BMFA. <laughs> yeah, I didn't renew my membership this year. <laughs> yeah, but you passed uh... your competency test. Yeah, yeah, I feel mission complete, oh, right? No reason to make <laughs> it any further. Oh, yeah. 100 completion. I, yeah, I remember you being like, you know, yeah, that that will be a, a value thing to do, and I was like, mate, it's pointless talking to them. I've got and a certificate. Like, no, um, yeah, it was stressful. Like, talking I can to bring people. you out a certificate if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Just the online presence or lack of it, and it's all quite infuriating. Mate, you don't need I one. You're, you're, you're best <laughs> friends with me. Speaking <laughs> of uh, BMFA briefly, there was uh, some news the other day about the Headcorn show, so the Southern Model Show, uh, which is another one of the big RC model shows in, in the UK. Uh, that they are not holding one this year, 2024, but they will be back in 2025. Uh, that was one of the show, first shows I saw X-Class actually flying at. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a bit sad that they won't have one this week, this year, rather. But uh, it does mean that uh, Wings and Wheels is still going to be one of the most uh, southerly RC model shows this year, which is entertaining seeing as they moved quite far north for for us. Uh, yeah. So there's like Popham, and then you got Wings and Wheels and Western Park, I feel like, the, the big three this year. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so bit of news there. So Caroline Tyler saying she moved her 7-inch quad to INAV and had to rewire the ESC because uh, she couldn't do motor remapping. I'm kind of surprised they haven't changed that. I remember Powell talking about it a few years ago, and I th think that at the time he was like, oh, yeah, you just build your own target as though this is something anyone can do. And as kind of the lead <laughs> developer of the project, he obviously found it pretty straightforward. But I'm surprised they haven't found like an easy way of doing <laughs> that by now. Mm. 
I guess no one else is using. Is anyone else using INAV? I think I've got a tank running INAV, but I haven't got any aircraft running INAV. I don't have any aircraft running INAV. No. Although they're uh, everywhere that I look up, as far as like GPS return to home stuff, it's like INAV is kind of like really mm. good with that. But <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the targets are a bit harder. Like there's not as many boards supported, and you can't remap resources. So you that's need to weird. Do that yeah. for, for motors, it's a bit challenging. Yeah, I I've always been impressed with INAV. Yeah, y you know. Easy for planes. Yeah, I've always, you know, it was it, it. It's a. It can be a bit sort of like, um, daunting moving from like, you know, beta flight to INAV. But have you got it on all, planes then, Jack? Yeah, yeah, I've got. It, I've had it. I've had it on wings. All my wings, in fact. Oh, cool. Um. But yeah, it's just been it's been good, you know. I mean, even back in the day when I was like um, flying that wooden copter. Did you ever have to do remapping stuff, or do you just like find the right pins and just experiment yeah. until you've soldered it right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, read the manual, look at the legend. Uh, you know, what? Yeah, and yeah, it was it was all right, you know. Um, but yeah, that first, I mean, back in the day, even when, like when Constantine was still like running it and just how it returned to me, no problem, came, turned around, landed right in front of me. I was like, that's cool. That's really yeah, cool. It's pretty, pretty neat. You know, especially, I mean, I'll always remember that day when me and Tony were flying at the beach and someone come down with their like real fancy pants, bloody like you know phantom four or fat three pro or whatever and yep. you know basically you know i landed my he's like what drone is and it landed and it was like this is made of wood and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know like i've spent nice. like a thousand pounds and you've got one that's made out of a tree <laughs> you know, the, the, the getting back landed, and he was just like, Mother. I mean, he had a gimbal. It was pretty good, though. Was that the copter? <laughs> was that was that wooden one? Was that the one you were trying to use the uh, Lexmos uh, gimbal thing? No, with, or no, oh. that was that one was made of carbon fiber. Ah, okay, but yeah, just never got round to you know doing that. But, yeah, it yeah, seems that... like the the whole sort of you know three axis gimbal thing isn't it never really seemed to take off too much with uh fpv it seems like although there is what the medlin drones guy um i think is what it's called medlin drone People or maybe that's back with very expensive cameras now but it was never totally. enough to make up for bad flight performance i think everyone secretly hoped that because it looked quite rough when they bolted a camera to the frame somehow a three axis gimbal would improve that and it really just introduced another linkage that would bounce and roll around didn't really help any and you know i, I was actually totally wrong that medlin drone guy is actually just a i think it's a head tracking uh tilt uh pan yeah. and tilt thing for for the gopro opposed to it's not a it's not i don't think it's necessarily like a stabilizing gimbal yeah the 
like yeah the other thing that kind of like really cemented the the, the death of alex moss was that you know um it all got super cloned by um you know the thing likes of like banggood or aliexpress or whatever so then yeah. it never you know there was no more money going back into it and the reason like it was selling on within the market was because the the phantom 2 didn't have a gimbal you know like or any way to hold oh yeah a, that's right you know uh a, a gopro <laughs> you know people were wanting you know the the you know gopro footage so there were you know as soon as as soon as dji like you know built a gimbal on the phantom 3 that it, that source of income stopped and then it was cloned um you know and and then that was another revenue of like well if you want if you want good footage you might as well and no f-ing about you might as well just get a phantom you know for the money you couldn't you couldn't build something yourself that worked as good as a good as like the the phantom 3 for yeah. less less money so it's just pointless it's a pointless yeah, just get ready made yeah well that you yeah. know that was that was my first quad um or drone i guess whatever you want to say was uh a phantom 3 se i think is what it was called um and that that was literally my that was my start into the hobby or no, it was called a Phantom 3 4K, which they ended up changing it to SE. And it had basically little to no range. Um, but uh, I got that, and I was I was basically hooked on drones, but I was hooked on GPS DJI drones. And mm-hmm. yeah, then it was like, it was, you know, Jack saw me playing around with those and everything, and he's like, I see him, you know, tinkering with all this crazy electronics. I'm like... Man, I would never do that. That's too crazy. Like, I don't know. I could never do that type of stuff. And then, yeah, lo and behold, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's just like you know, uh, what was what was that sort of like turning point for you, where like you you wanted to get into it, you're really interested. DJI FPV had come out, and you were looking at that, and then I sort of like made the argument of like, you know, those things like you crash them, you break. <laughs> It's two hundred dollars, yeah. and you know the repair schemes only for a certain amount of time or whatever. What were yeah. the main factors that made you like hop ship? Were you, you know, well, like what kind of made you go? Oh, actually, well, I'll learn electronics. Well, the, so I think that's a really good question, actually, because I ha- I have to think about <clears> that <throat> because it's like. I knew that I want like I, okay, I liked I liked drones. I liked getting cool footage, yada yada. But at the same time, it was like with DJI drones, it's kind of like boring after a while. You can only do so much with them. You, you know, you can go up, down, side to side, spin around, forward, backwards, and and that's basically it. And you can still get cool shots and whatnot. But I I wanted to get to that next level where you know you're seeing all these guys. You had been doing it for years and i i you know what it's crazy to think that i actually made the intro theme music for the ldo podcast while i didn't even really know much or give a <laughs> about fpv drones back then that was would have been like at least yeah eight years ago right so um 
I didn't even know what you were exactly what you were into back then as a, like how deep into it you were. But when I kind of clued in like what the possibilities were and then I was like, okay, I'm looking at the DJI FPV, but then it's like, it's not robust. It can't handle a crash. It's really expensive. Um, and I think that was a huge factor was that a, that it was really expensive and B that it, you, like, you know, it's not going to take a beating at all. I had crashed some Mavics before or like Phantoms and, and, you know, very expensive repairs. Half the time you get a repair back, it doesn't even work properly. Or there's an additional issue that wasn't existing, you know, prior to that repair or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. It was, you, you did kind of beat it into me a bit, I would say. Like you kind of like, you, you kind of showed me the way and you were like, here's the thing i I, i'm smart enough to know that i don't know anything so like i i do tend to listen to people that have been doing things that i want to do for longer than me if if that sentence even makes sense but um yeah i don't know it was just it got to that point where i was like i don't know man i i wanted to do it i didn't want to spend thousands of dollars and I also didn't want to have to send stuff off to get fixed if I if anything broke. So it was basically like, okay, I have no other choice. I got to get into this. So was, I, I thought about DJI, but I wanted something sportier. So I ended up with this really dodgy Hubsan thing <laughs> that had FPV on it and no gimbal. Yeah. I thought it was sporty and I was yeah. an idiot. Um, so I'd learned line of sight originally, like, I flew line of sight with the small hub sands and that's how I yep. got into quads. Huh. Um, and then I got this guy that it came with a little video transmitter that does, um, has an FPV screen in it. It's kind of an all in one cool. solution. And I wanted to fly it low and fast. And this thing just, I, mean, I think it was <laughs> 3S. No, was it 2S? 2 or 3S. And it uh, did not have enough power. It was like, 180-something motors with gigantic, like, 8-inch props. Very low power-to-weight ratio. Very low. Um, to the point where it, it would have that awful feeling when you put it into a hard bank and you realize you're losing altitude because when you're in a hard <laughs> bank, you don't get the upwards component of the thrust vector anymore. You're not even anywhere near, like, knife edge. You're still, like, at 45 degrees and you're sinking because all of a sudden you haven't got enough thrust upwards. Yeah, it was uh, wow. it was rough. So I, I, I tried to do the type of flying I wanted to do with that for a while, and I sensed I was getting pretty close to destroying it. A couple of landings, so I was surprised it survived, and I had to clip the case back together. And so I just, yeah, uh, yeah I said enough is enough, and I moved on. Retired it. Got yeah. carbon fiber stuff. Got the, the proper gear. Well, you know what? Another thing for me too was I had the like the OG Mavic Pro. And it had a setting in it. It had an FPV setting, which it's not FPV in the terms of you're wearing goggles, but it would bank roll or it would, it would do, it would do, instead of you just going straight or doing like this where it keeps the horizon, like it would kind of yeah. do like a, it would allow you, you know, to coordinate the turns a bit. A bit, except for the fact that the gimbal, when you would do it, it would like start like doing all weird stuff if you got to a certain angle. So like, <laughs> like I remember I was like, I, I like climbed to the random top of this like hill on a construction site the one day and I was like flying the, in FPV mode thinking I was like super cool. And then I was like, I was in sport mode flying FPV mode and I was like, okay, this 
fucking sucks. Like, I, I uh, this is not anything close to what I'm seeing on the internet. Like, as far as like footage people are getting, and uh, yeah, and and I, I think after that it was like, I think that was actually that may have that very well may have been the turning point where I was like, okay, I'm getting a little beta FPV light radio two SE. I'm gonna try out the simulator, and I. I I think that actually was around the time. Does that sound about right to you, Jack? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. You needed to figure out whether you liked it first. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'd had yeah. that experience with a Parrot AR drone before that. That kind of when you try and push it, and the flight controller allows you to select flight modes where you can do acrobatic flying, and then just freaks out when you try and do something acrobatic because it thinks that it's lost control when you try and push yeah. it beyond about kind of 30 or 35 degrees angle it's like oh yeah something bad's happening i'll just fail safe and, and the parrot ar drone used to like get to a kind of th about 40 degree angle and then it would just fail safe and just just the motors would just stop and it would just down like a brick and you uh. hadn't done anything it had just decided that it exceeded its maximum tilt angle and instead of like leveling out or doing something remotely sane it would just fail safe it was just like no well nothing can be done now we're all gonna die i give up <laughs> but the cgi like t turning people using that the, the turning it over to like shut it off it's like oh every time yeah. i see that it's like that should yeah. not be a it's thing not what you want it's not what you want <laughs> you want to be able to flip it upside down in a gust of wind and then just have the gyro kick back in and push it back yeah. yeah it's like an auto shut off basically right it's like oh yeah but, but i guess it's it's, it's created and it's programmed and it's whatever to fly a certain way so anything out of those you know guidelines sort of speak it's like nope turn it off that's it it's like golden path <laughs> in programming what you want to really avoid is a system that only works when you follow the golden path this set of conditions that are all you know, the sun is out, it's a nice warm day, no one is messing with you, everything's going according to plan. You test it in that, you don't just ship it at that point, you've got to test when things go wrong, you know, when, when the day isn't so great, when things are a little yep. bit iffy and make sure it still works then. And uh, yeah, those first drones, they were not tested for anything but the golden path. <laughs> the Swiss cheese, when the holes line up. No! <laughs> uh. I don't know whether Cole, Cole, do you know about Swiss cheese? I mean, I, I'm I part of Swiss cheese, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. Is there another type of cheese, it? the dark cheese that no one talks about, whispered only about in hushed circles? <laughs> the only thing I, think... I know is that there's holes in it. <laughs> yeah, Jack's talking the about the Swiss cheese up. model, but that's kind of like the inverse of what Stephen was talking about. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, never mind. The Swiss cheese model is is the idea that if if you like if you're trying to make something safe or reliable, you should have multiple levels of redundancy so that if one of them has something wrong with it, i.e., a hole in a slice of cheese, it doesn't line up with another slice of cheese behind it. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah, uh, still holds but up. The, the problem is you cut the slice of cheese from the same block of cheese, you end up with holes that line up. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> ah, that's funny. See, you, you know, now, now all I'm thinking about is Swiss cheese, and I'm like, how do they get the holes in it, man? 
Molds cold. Yeah. If you're in North America, molds with special patterns in them. Because uh, <laughs> if you're buying cheese at Burger Joint. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, clawing the subject vaguely back on track before we How finish dare the you? show. I know, I know. It's not on brand at all. There's a, a reminder for people in the UK that on the 27th and 28th of January uh, in Birmingham, there is the Birmingham International Race Days or BIRD uh, event. So that's uh, the whip race. For more details, we... please refer back to our episode, BIRD is the Word. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so that is coming up. They've sold out all the race tickets, I believe. But, uh, you know, if you want to go and spectate, uh, that's still an option, and the Drone Soccer UK people are, I think, planning on being there. I don't know whether they're going to be demonstrating or what, what the deal is, whether they're just going to be there to chat to, but they're planning on going, I believe. So cool. uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get them on the show sometime later this year when they've set themselves up a bit more, but... Uh, yeah, it'd be good to kind of hear how they're getting on as well. Sweet. Yeah, and that is episode 431, if anybody wants to go back and let's drone out. Yeah. <laughs> and if anyone is joining us here tonight because uh, YouTube algorithm recommended them LD episode 318, uh, <laughs> then welcome. Thank you for joining mm. us. <laughs> there's, there's many of you. I don't know why mm. that particular episode, but you welcome. <laughs> 318? I think it was 318. Somewhere around there. Just all of a sudden, very, very popular. Interesting. Huh. Does anyone remember this awful old drone, by the way? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. No. This, this was the, uh, the, the thing to have. It was at CES, I believe. It was everywhere. There was like a media frenzy around this thing. And I got one thinking it would be amazing. In case you can't appreciate the scale, these props are about like 10 or 12 inches. And what? that wow. is expanded no, polystyrene. Sure, Those are geared motors. So there's a gear underneath each of them. So they've got like zero torque. And hmm. the connection is via Wi-Fi. Oof. And it's not autonomous. So you have to control this via Wi-Fi. Awesome. Using a touch screen. And this is like Wi-Fi back in what year? <laughs> back in around 2014, 2013. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So 8 yeah. to 11B, 8 to 11B Wi-Fi. Yeah. That's Wi-Fi 3 now, right? <laughs> I don't know. 8 to 11, <laughs> 8 to 11B by the uh, IEEE standards. So, yeah. It was, it was looks spectacularly tiny, rubbish. It, it would fly for quite a long time, but it was on Wi-Fi, so obviously the range was just like a, an optimistic shrug. Um, <laughs> so you, flew it, you flew it until it, you didn't. <laughs> maybe it was 20 meters, maybe it was 30 meters. Who knows? It might just be five meters and then have a bit of a, a, bit of a moment. Yeah, and it was interesting. Like you say, brushed motors, right? And brushed like geared, a... geared motors, not even direct drive, geared motors yeah. for the ultimate prop control. Yeah, and and you know, 
efficiency as well. Lots Power of AR drone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. More, if more you of a speed sports mode, you could unclip the polystyrene hull and lose maybe 150 grams, at which point it would fly only like. <laughs> <shit>. um, <laughs> Do you remember what batteries it has? I bet they were like 2C rated. I don't think, yeah, I don't think battery power is really a problem with geared brush <laughs> motors there. And the amp draw was probably about 2, I would guess. <laughs> it did fly quite a long time, so long as you stayed very close to yourself. And didn't exceed about 30 degrees tilt angle. <laughs> Bloody hell. Anyway. There we are. Yeah. Very cool. Unfortunately, that is all we've got time for. Uh, massive shout out to our lovely Patreons who keep this show on the road. Uh, we have been joined by the lovely Andrew slash Frank. Bye. The wonderful Stephen. Cheers. And thanks to Frank for sorting out the podcast. That's cool. Hey. And pleasant as always, Cole. See ya. And I've been somewhat bearable. Thank you, somewhat bearable. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks, bye. 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 Yeah. bye. bye. Telemetry lost.